Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. What do you look for in a healthy church? If you were to identify the qualities that promote health within a body of believers, what would they be? A lot of it has to do with the gospel. God's good news working its perfection in our lives. Now, that does not mean that we're going to be perfect. But it does mean that God is doing a work to challenge us and change us and help us conform to the character of Jesus Christ. It's all about God doing the work. It's not about social reform. It's not about congregational polity. It's not even about a personal performance. It's God's work in our lives that makes the difference. Because the gospel is God. It's about bringing glory to God. It's about understanding God's love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's about God's grace. And it's all about knowing God's forgiveness. Isn't it great to know that you're forgiven? Not perfect, but forgiven. And I am so thankful that that's the gospel. Now, it would be difficult for us to understand the gospel without looking at Ephesians chapter 2. And so this morning we're going to work our way through this passage of Scripture, and I trust that even though it may be very familiar to you, it will help us have an understanding about what God has done in our lives. I want to take the time to read the first 10 verses to you this morning. And then we're going to back up and we are going to study what God says about the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2. Let me begin with verse 1. You follow along in your copy of the Scriptures through verse 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages... He might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, as we read this passage of Scripture, the first thing that we notice is that there are dead men walking. 
Verse 1 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. There was nothing that would allow any of us to show that there was life, to show that there was being, to show that there was anything that would allow us to relate to God. And Paul says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Trespasses means that we were dead because we overstepped the boundary. God had a no trespassing sign in the Garden of Eden, and it was posted in front of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet, Adam and Eve stepped across that boundary and violated God's command. But you know, sometimes we trespass and we don't even know it. Sometimes we get a little off course and we don't realize where we are. And the word trespass here is not always intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. But it doesn't matter because we're still dead Romans 5 tells us that because of one man's sin entered into the world and death by sin for all have sin. And that includes you and that includes me because we have violated God's standard. We have stepped over the line. But it also talks about sins. Not only have we stepped over God's line and trespass, we have also missed God's mark. God is a holy God. God is a sovereign God. God is a pure God. And none of us can stand before God because of who he is. And no matter how we try in life, we've missed that mark. I try to please my wife. I missed the mark in so many ways. Although I try... And the scripture says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But not only are we dead in our trespasses and sins, the scripture says that we once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Dead men walking. You know, people are dead and they don't even realize it because they're walking around. And the identity that Paul gives to us is that they walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. Dead men walk in a different way than live men walk, you know? Turn over a page in your Bibles, if your Bibles are like mine, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verse 17. This is how dead men walk. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They become calloused, giving themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's how dead men walk. And as they walk according to our culture... They think they're accepted. The problem is, they may be accepted by the culture, but they've never accepted Christ. 
And they walk according to the prince of the power of the air. Jesus said to the religious leaders, he said, you are of your father the devil. And his works you do. He was a liar from the beginning. You know a lot of dead men who are walking around think that they can be good just based on how they live their lives. And if their good outweighs their bad, it's going to be okay. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because there is nothing in us that would allow us to relate to God because we are dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And they live according to the passions of the flesh, verse 3. The sensuality of their own nature. Desires of the body, blinded in their mind, and by nature the children of wrath. Now that's not a very pretty picture, is it? But here's the truth, folks. No one can be made alive unless they realize they're dead. No one can be made alive unless they realize they're dead. And we live in a culture in which people think they got a pretty good life. They're enjoying what they're doing. This is the life. But they're simply dead men walking. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So how do dead men get be made, be made alive? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. God steps in. Circle, underline, note that first word in verse 4. But. But God. There's a contrast between the doom and gloom of dead men walking, and now we see God opening up His love and His mercy and His grace. God does something where he gives to us hope for the hopeless, help for the helpless, honor for the condemned. God steps in. Aren't you thankful that God steps into our lives? But God, who is rich in mercy, Think about that, will you? The word rich has the idea of without measure. Cannot be calculated. Cannot be put on a debit sheet. God's mercy is without bounds. You say, well, what's mercy? Mercy is God not giving to you and to me what we deserve. We don't deserve a thing as far as God is concerned. He doesn't owe us one iota. We are so puny 
so small when it comes to God there's, there's absolutely no understanding somebody used this illustration and I've used it before if you were to take the vast universe as we know it which is huge and you were to shrink that universe down to the size of our solar system you got it? Universe down to our solar system. You would be able to put 10,000 Earths on the head of a pin. Now put yourself on one of those Earths and tell me how important you are. But God. The psalmist tells us that God reached down and was mindful of man that he sent his son to visit mankind. God who is rich in mercy. And what's the text say? The text says being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive. Somebody give me a woohoo. I mean, think about it. God, rich in mercy, great love, made us alive. Peter talks about being living stones. I sometimes think we're just dead rocks. But you has he made alive. I talk to my parents a couple of times a week, and I enjoy talking with them. And my dad's one of those old-timey kind of people. And I was telling him about uh, when Brian McPhail Fawzi was, was here with us a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and you remember Chicken Armpit Cameroon? Remember that? And I said, Dad, it was great, but I said we had a number of folks who just sat there. And I said, Dad, you'd have probably been one of those folks who just sat there. And he said, you're probably right. And he says, by the way, can you explain to me why people lift their hands while they're singing in church? I said, you be talking to one. He says, oh, really? All right, you explain to me why you do it. And I said, Dad, one of the reasons I do it is I want the joy of my heart to go to my hips and to my hands and to praise God with all that I am. And I want it to be seen. You know, live people are seen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? That's right, Terry. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a live person. Why? Because the old is passing and the new is coming. Isn't that neat? And God, who is rich... In mercy, with his great love, loved us. 
and made us alive together with Christ. When God steps into our lives, everything changes. Thought I might get an amen on that. When God steps into our lives, everything changes. When the gospel is applied to our hearts, everything is made new. We had a little discussion in the ABF class that I taught this morning about the difference between mature believers and new believers in Christ. I love new believers in Christ. They don't know the rules yet. And they're so transparent. And everything is alive and wonderful. And they're excited about what God is doing in their lives. Isn't that great? And the rest of us who've been saved for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years say, yeah, I know. I mean, really, think about it. When was the last time you got excited about what God was doing in your life? When was the last time you were excited about being a new creation in Christ Jesus? When was the last time that you remembered his given body and shed blood and said, Whoa! That's something special! I know Baptists don't boogie. But we've been made alive. We've been alive, been made alive because of his grace. Now I want you to notice that word grace. You find it in verse 5. For by grace you have been saved. You find it in verse 7, the immeasurable riches of his grace. You find it in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. You think about God's grace this morning. God giving to us what we do not deserve. God's riches at Christ's expense. And he has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. I mean, it's all ours. Because of his grace. And not only that. Verse 5 tells us that he made us alive together with Christ. Verse 6, we've been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, this is not as good as it gets, folks. It's going to get a whole lot better. That in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, grace and kindness toward us that he's given in Christ Jesus. Just think about that. Made alive. Because of his grace. Who made dead men alive? God did. 
How did he make us alive? Through his grace. And why did he do it? Verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God wanted to give us a gift of his grace. He wanted to show us his love. He wanted to demonstrate his mercy. That's God. That's God. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, we talk about that. But why did he do it? He just wanted to show us the wonder of who he is. And he wanted to complete his work in our lives. Being his workmanship created unto good works. Which he has ordained that we should walk in them. Now what does that mean? How do we do that? May I just identify four truths that are here in Ephesians? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Whoa! How do we do it? We, we walk worthy of the Lord. Now, there is absolutely nothing that you and I can do that would merit God's mercy and God's love and God's grace. But we ought to walk in a way that shows we're appreciative. That we walk worthy. Jump over to chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, verse 2, as Christ loved us. We're to walk worthy, walk in love. What's that mean? Well, that means that we're to love one another just like Christ loved us. Whoa. Jump down to verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now are you light in the, in the Lord? Walk as children of light. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 how dead men walk. <laughs> they walk in darkness. Live men walk in the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. Then jump down to verse 15, will you? Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. We need to walk carefully. And so as we understand the gospel, we recognize that it begins with dead men walking that cannot relate to anything about God because they have absolutely no context with which to understand it. But God made us alive. And that new life makes all the difference. 
because it shows us his mercy and his love and his grace. And it recognizes his goal for our lives to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And what do we do? We proclaim who he is until he comes. That's the remembrance of him. That's his given body and his shed blood. That's the celebration of God's love.